Okay, well, I want to welcome you, those who are watching online, YouTube, um, our app, satellite groups. We have one in Dwarty. That's awesome, right? I think. I might be making that up. Um, we've got them in Monrovia. Uh, we got them, we got them all up. North Hollywood. Hey to you. Um, we are in Romans chapter 13. Wah, wah, wah. I don't know if you felt this way, but this is, I'm, I hate to say it because I love the Bible, but um, I, uh, and the whole passage is there on page 51. We're going to go through it. But as I was preparing for this time, one, how amazing was Coley last week, right? So who, fo- you know, how do you follow that? So um, how do you follow that? And I'm trying to think, okay, how do you, you know, what do, what do I do with this passage? There's some good, there's some beautiful little nuggets in it. But to be honest, I was just like, this would be, if I were reading through Romans, um, I would probably skip this chapter or I would just kind of cruise through it, you know, and jump to something better. Um, to be honest, so I thought, how do, how, do we, how do we look at this? And so here's what I want to do. I want to talk about how do we engage with the Scripture, because we want to be Bible nerdy people here at Christian Assembly. Uh, we want to be in the Scripture. We want the Scripture to um, be our source of um, truth and grace. We want the scripture to be brought alive by the spirit to us, but we got to open it, right? Uh, we got we to gotta know all of it. We don't want to just be cherry pickers like I would want to be with this one. We want to just go, ooh, I, you know, that you're constantly just in Psalm 139. We want to jump to, uh, you know, other, we want to read the whole thing. We want to, you know, we don't want to just skip Leviticus every time we do the read through the Bible program, um, which I have done. And, uh, but so how do we engage with the Bible? How do we study it? How do we read it? Um, how do we sit with it? That's what I want to look at. So let me pray, and then we're going to kind of get really practical. We're almost going to be kind of our own little workshop in here. Uh, How do we do this? So let me pray. Father, I do pray that we would be people, that even your spirit would move through us in such a way that we would love your word. Um, For the person who uh, doesn't really love the Bible. Would you put a love in their heart this morning? Uh, for all of us who find places that just kind of feel a little boring, Lord, would you give us a heart to engage in your word, that your word would uh, be our authority, that we would live under your word, uh, that we wouldn't be just selective of the ones we like and don't like and, and all that, that we would just want to know all that you have to say to us. So I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you bring the word to life to us in Jesus' name, amen. So there are all kinds of ways to read the scripture. And and the reality is for most of us, you're not spending hours like diving deep. You don't have it, right? You, You work, you have kids, you have family, you have all kinds of things. But my hope would be that we would be people who at least as often as we can each day, we crack open the scripture and we read it, we sit with it, we allow God to speak to us through it, and we engage it, it. but we, but we want to handle it accurately, we want to apply it into our life, we want it to be an invitation to worship, so how do we do that? So there's, again, there's all kinds of ways and structures, there's a little, you maybe have heard of the acronym SOAP, 
Anyone heard of that? That's a way, yeah, it's just a way of reading the scripture that I've used at times. Um, and it stands for, so SOAP. S is scripture, O is observation, A is application, P is prayer. Um, and so that's a great way to do it. I'm going to give you my own little nerdy thing that I came up with just because I wanted to come up with my own thing. So I'm sure there's something broken in that. But anyway, um, <laughs> this is where I went as I was thinking about, you've got 30 minutes, you're sitting on your porch, you're reading through, you come to Romans 13, you're tempted to skip it, but you're like, no, I'm going to, I got 30 minutes, I'm going to kind of dive into this, okay? So here's my little acronym, but it's not, it's not totally perfect, you'll see the imperfections of it, but SAW. S-A-W, that's what I came up with. So here's what I want to do. I'm sitting on my porch. I want to study. I want to give some time to studying it. Because here's the thing. Um, Every cult that has ever been created that has a Christian tilt to it, right, uh, uses the Bible. All heresy comes from the Bible. So I just want to remind us that there is potential to not handle the Bible correctly. There is potential uh, to take a a verse of the Bible and use it wrongly, right? Or to think wrongly about it. So so we do want to be students of the word. We we want to handle it as accurately as we can. And then we want to apply it. We want to live it. We don't want to just have knowledge of God. We want to live with and for and in God. And so we want to apply. We want to study. We want to apply. And then we want to worship, right? We, we want the word of God to move in us our affections for God, that we experience his affections for us, and, and we then extend our affection to him. And so here's how I would take my 30 minutes on the porch, okay? Probably give about 15 minutes. And the study part, this is kind of also to just kind of slow me down, Right? Um, a lot of us just want to leap to application. We want to leap to worship, or we want. But I, I don't. I don't know. My heart needs to get engaged a little bit more. So, um, so my st- here's where my acronym kind of doesn't work because then I have like three points under the S, right? So, but here's how I would want to study the scripture, right? So I, I get to this. I'm gonna and I'm just gonna. We're just gonna. I'm gonna read verses one through seven. Um, So I read, I'm sitting, I'm on my porch, got my coffee, I'm reading, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring judgment or to bring punishment on wrongdoers. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. Whew, exciting stuff right here, right? Uh, Now it gets gets in our business. This is also why you pay taxes. 
FYI, just, you know, there are Christians who don't pay taxes. I think that's weird. Anyway, um, but anyway, this is why you pay taxes for the authorities or God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone who what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Okay, so what do I do with this passage? So I've, look, I've read through it. I'm kind of sitting there. And so the first thing I want to do is I want to make some observations, right? I just want to observe what it says. So for me, if I've got 30 minutes, again, I'm probably not creating a spreadsheet. I'm just, I'm either in my Bible underlining, um, making some connections. I typically have a little journal with me. I might write down some things like repeated words, um, that kind of stuff. So I'm making some observations. So here, with this one, here, I'm asking the question, what do I see? What does it say? I'm not, what the tendency when we study the scripture is we want to jump right to um, applic- or in- interpretation. We want to go, what does it mean? And then we say, this is what it means to me. This is what we typically do, right? And that, that's not good study. What it means to me is not good study, okay? Good study is what does it say? Um, what do I see? And so I'm just going to make direct observations out of the passage. So what I see in here is, you know, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. All right, everyone be subject to the governing. You know, I just write that down. That might sound really nerdy or I underline it. I write down God establishes authorities. The existing authority is established by God. Um, If you rebel against authority, you rebel against God. The one in authority is God's servant for good. Pay taxes. I just write write that. Uh, Give to everyone what you owe them. Give taxes, revenue, respect, honor, right? So these would just be observations, okay? Um, And obviously there's way more observations that you could make from this passage. But you only got 30 minutes, so you kind of pick out what jumps out at you, whatever. Then... I would start asking questions based on my observations, right? And I was a journalism major in college, so I I got my who, what, where, when, why, how, asking those questions. And I'm asking that of the passage, right? What about, for this one, I'm right, what about, what about, what about? What about bad and evil governments? What about Hitler? You know, these are my questions that are coming. Who, who is, who's he taught, who's Paul talking to? In a sense, what, are these Christians, are these non-Christians? Where and when is this happening? What was their government like? You know, what's the culture going on? Because there's a temptation here that I would want to go, well, their government was probably all nice and friendly and, and gave away free hugs and, you know, maybe that'd be easy to do. But, but actually, that's not true. This was a pretty um, debased kind of uh, government. So I want to ask, you know, again, culture, where is this happening? When's it happening? I want to ask, um, you know, what if you don't like what the government's doing and you think it's evil, do you still pay taxes? Uh, what, you know, does God really establish all authority? How do what, you know, what do I do with that? What do I do if the government's asking me to do evil, right? So I'm asking all these kind of questions. And then, what would be my third thing when I'm studying the Bible? If you know me, what do I love so much? In the- yeah, no. <laughs> Context, right? Context. I love context. So then I want to ask, what's the con- what context? What what came before this, right? So with Romans chapter twelve, what's what's he been talking about? He was talking about how to live as a follower of Christ, how to live in light of the gospel. And right before 
Romans 13. And remember, when the Bible was written, there weren't chapter breaks, there weren't little verse breaks. So sometimes that messes us up. But if we can look back, we know right before this it talks about, which Coley led us in, overcoming evil with good, living at peace. So here's this connection of living at peace, not just with one another in our personal relationships, but in our society, right? Now, then I want to take the whole context of the book. Then I want to take the whole context of the Bible, right? And so you're going, well, you've only got 30 minutes, and you told me I'm going to have to also apply and worship, right? So what do I, how, what do, I do with all that? Secret sauce. The study Bible. Y'all have a study Bible? Get yourself a study Bible. Because, see, this is your secret. So, obviously, you know, you're, you're not going to have time to, to track down all these things. You're like, okay, but, yeah, what about, what about, what about? Well, what's awesome? And I moved my bookmark last night. Oh, well. Um, so, in Romans, it gives you all these little, I like to call them cheater notes, but um, they're awesome. They're a gift. The study Bible will tell you, like, and, we, you know, you saw this in your devotional guide this week, but... Um, you know, there are times when people didn't obey the government, when God, uh, when, when the government or the authorities gave a invitation that was evil or against God. So, right, we have Moses because some very courageous midwife said, we're not going to kill all the baby boys, right? We're not going to su- surrender to that. We have Peter in the book of Acts who's saying, you're telling me not to preach Jesus. I can't help myself. I'm not going to stop. Should I obey you or should I obey God? I'm going to obey God, right? Well, in your little uh, notes, it tells you all about those things. It directs you to those places, right? It answers a lot of your questions. So I would encourage you, everyone needs a good study Bible. So I like the ESV. I also like the uh, NIV study Bible is a great one. Um, I think there's also a New King James study Bible that's got great notes. Let me tell you what's not a study Bible. Because if you go, we don't have Christian bookstores anymore, but if you were to go into one, what you would find is the like menopausal women devotional Bible right? You would find the men who play soccer in their 40s devotional Bible. You would find the moms of two-year-olds with red hair devotional Bible. You find all these devotional Bibles, right? I love a good devotional Bible, okay? Um, But that's not a study Bible. What you're looking for is a Bible that's got notes that have hopefully mostly been put together by the scholars who helped do the translations. This study, ESV has um, maps in it. It's got, oh, you guys, if I could find, oh, oh, there it is. Oh, my gosh. This is just going to make your day. Some of you are like, I don't study anything. I don't know why you're pushing. <gasps> it's a chart. It's a graph. Doesn't that just make you happy? It's got charts. It's got, like, background information. It's got, yeah, it's got all, all the good. I mean, we could go to Leviticus. I bet they've got charts in Leviticus. And suddenly Leviticus is fun. So anyway, this is your one-click-it-today. Get yourself a good study Bible. Okay? You with me? Yep. Okay. Because we want to hold, we want to, we want to hold God's word in, in reverence. 
We want to handle it well. We want to handle it accurately. Uh, we want to be students of it. And then again, on, you know, on the day that you only have 15 minutes on your porch, you might just cruise right through that part and just read the passage and the teeter notes and you're, you're done. But you've gotten something, right? You've gotten some food. You've got some meat. So um, I want that for you. And then where I would move, so, is to application. <clears throat> so I've given, in my 15 minutes, I've given five minutes to study. Now I'm going to go five minutes to some application. And this is the question just is, what will I do? And I typically try to just ask, what will I do today? I'm not trying to solve all the world's problems. I'm not trying to get, you know, <laughs> I just, what, God, what would you have me to do today? I usually have my time in the morning, if you have your time in the evenings or in the afternoons. But if you have your time in the evening, you could just say, what would you have me do tomorrow? right? What's coming up? What are you inviting me to? Um, but keep it simple. And so that's my question. What, what would you, how would you have me apply this? So say you're reading this and you're kind of like that first section, you're, I don't know. So you go on reading and you, you hit verse, verse eight that says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. Ooh, that's always, you know, you always feel like you're doing good until you get to covet. Because covet is basically to want something that somebody else has that you don't have, right? It's birth and envy and jealousy and all those things. And so there's this, you sh this command in here. Um, whatever and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does, does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And that might be, a, that might be the section that you go, Lord, what do you want me to do today? And it might be an invitation that there's somebody you need to love. Maybe it's a neighbor that you need to be kind to. Um, maybe you don't report them for running their sprinklers on the wrong day. I, don't, I mean, <laughs> just, you say, I'm going to love my neighbors. I'm going to pray for them. I'm just going to walk down the street and I'm going to pray blessing for my neighbors, right? Or maybe it's one of those commands that jumps out at you and go, gosh, coveting or whatever it is. That's the one that jumped out at me when I was... When, when I was praying through this, and that might be where you make an application, or you go on, and it says in verse 11, and do this, understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desire of the flesh. So there's some great stuff there, right? God, what would you have me to do? What would it look like for me to walk away from immorality? What would it look like for me to put aside the jealousy I have towards this person? What would it look like for me to clothe myself in Jesus today, right? Make it simple, and then just give yourself an action step. To clothe myself in Jesus today might be kindness towards this coworker, might be patience towards my spouse, right? So we want to apply the word. We want to 
live the word. And here's an here's the thing that I think the Lord has been inviting to me to over the years when it comes to making this um, application is to not run too quickly to what it is. So my tendency can be in Bible study, okay, I studied it, I read my study Bible notes, check. I made my application, check. But what I'm trying to do more and more of is to slow down and to say, um, and to, so say I've got five minutes for this part or three minutes. I want to read it, and then I want to give at least a minute or two to just sitting and saying, Lord, how do you want me to apply this? And then listen. That might actually take, you need five minutes for that. You need to read. You need to then be able to just sit and, and, and say, Lord, how do, you, how do you want me to apply this? I'm thinking it's maybe this covetous thing, but, but, but maybe it's something different, Lord. Would you speak to me? And this, having already done the study part, see how that will help you? You've already read, you've already kind of sat in it, and now you're just inviting the Lord by his spirit to speak to you. And let him help you apply. Slow down, right? Listen. And then the third piece is worship. I want to... Um, I want to make sure that as I sit in God's word, that I, I don't just run off in my day, but I found something in the scripture that would incite worship in me. And I, I think it was Martin Luther who in his daily prayer routine, part of his routine was that he would, he would sit until he felt his affections for God welling up. Now, we may not have as much time as Luther had, so sometimes that just may not happen. But I want to seek to, right? I want to seek to make sure that I've set some time. So again, say you got your 15 minutes, that's all you got today. You're like, okay, five minutes of study, five minutes of applying, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then five minutes to just sit and go, God, what, what did I see about you in this passage that is beautiful? What is beautiful to me in this passage? Now, it might be that it's in that top sec section where you see the sovereignty and the control of God, that he is over all things, that he's the ultimate authority over all authorities, and I just want to sit and worship him for that. Lord, I'm I just so thankful that you're in control of all things, right? And then I want to sit with that truth where it moves from my head into my heart. And now that application that I was making gets driven by a worshipful heart, right? Not just dutiful heart. Maybe it's uh, this section about love, that all of God's laws and commands are summed up in the law to love your neighbor, which tells me, see, it says Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So that tells me my God is a God committed to love. If love fulfills his law, that's who he is. And I just want to sit with that. I want to enjoy a God who is a God of love, right? Or maybe it's this. This is what struck me, actually, as I was doing this practice. Verse 11 
and do, the, and do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. And I was so struck as I was just kind of meditating on this that um, what Paul is saying is he, he's, he's looking forward to the return of Christ. He believes that Jesus is going to come back, and he's basically saying every day is a day closer to the return of Christ, right? And I, I was struck, Lord, do I live with an anticipation of your return? And I had to, I had to be honest that, you know, I think I did in my 20s. I had, there was just a movement, uh, I think, at this, in that time, maybe among Christians and Christendom and, in uh, the 80s, and w this anticipation of Christ's return. But I think I kind of lost that. Kind of like, and, and I just wanted to sit and just let that truth well up in worship for me. That Jesus, you're going to come back. And you are going to fulfill your promises. You are going to make all things new. You'll make me new. You'll make this planet new. That we're going to have a new heaven and a new earth. And that, you know, that coastline of California, that's what I remember. I was thinking about all the things that he'll make new when he returns. And thinking how beautiful the coast of California is. And it's going to be even more beautiful. Like, you know, on steroids. And Bakersfield is going to be beautiful. I didn't think about that. I actually didn't think about that, but I just did. But, you know, but God's going to make, as C.S. Lewis talks about in his works, he talks about that in the new heaven and the new earth, that green will be greener, right? There'll be greater substance. Grass will feel grassier, you know, um, and that it's going to be a beautiful thing. And so what we want to do is we want to be uh, women who love the word, we want to be people who study it, handle it accurately as best we can. Um, there's no perfect, you know, and even study Bibles, their, their notes are not, uh, you know, infallible. They're, they're still notes by people, but we, but we want to do as best we can to hold God's Word, and we want to live it. We want to apply it. We want to say, what do you want me to do today? And we want to worship. We want to let God's Word well up in that. So that's what I wanted to offer you from Romans 13. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the scripture. Thank you for Bible translators and um, scholars who help us think well. Thank you for um, your spirit that he has come and one of his works, one of his roles is to illuminate the scripture to us, to remind us of what you have said. Lord, to bring us, he is the spirit of truth to help us handle your word as truth and then to apply it into our lives, that we would live your word and then that your word would well up in us in worship. Would that be true of us even today? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.